Okay, we're going to begin here on the top of Yudgimah Omed Aleph by the two dots. Kiyotzipalu Yochalazav. Tanya. Shimon Elazar Omer Bo'urei Arhechen Partzate Arabi Yisrael. Look how widespread the keeping of Tahara is amongst Kalal Yisrael. Because Shalosha Ninu, our mission doesn't say Lo Yochalat Tahor Imhat Meyah. There's no requirement from the mission that a Tahor separate from a Tmeyah. Lo Yochalazav Imazava. The Zav should not eat with the Zavam. Ipne Hergel Avera. As Rashi points out, the reason that the mission doesn't have to mention Torah and Tmeyah because Kulan Uchlim Chulin Bitara Hayu. Everybody was makpid to eat their Chulin Bitara, and therefore there's no reason to be gozer that they shouldn't eat with their wives when they are Tmeyin. So when we have a Torah and a Tamei, there's no reason for a because they were already being makpid on that. They're already separating themselves. The only thing the mission addresses is in a case where they're both Tmeyim, you have a Zav and a Zava where they're both Tmeyim, where you otherwise would have thought maybe they could eat together. Mishnah says, no, that they shouldn't eat together because of Hergel Avera. But from that, Rabbi Shimon Lazar points out, look how widespread, how accepted the Tahara was by Israel, that nobody had to even talk about that, or nobody had to put in a Gzera, that a Tahor will not eat with the Tamei, a man with his wife, when she is a Nida. Kiyotzubo, lo yuchal zab parush, so here again, you have two individuals who are at Tmeim. So you thought maybe they could eat together. But we have a Zav Parush, or a Chaver, and a Zav Amaretz. Why? Because he'll maybe become common or accepted practice to eat with him. What's wrong with eating with him? It says maybe he's going to feed him things that are Tmeim. So even the Zav Chaver is Tamei. He's only going to eat Tamei, tamei things. And even if he doesn't eat, if he gets something to her, he'll make it Tamei. So what's the problem with Tumah? So because maybe he will give him some things that do not have the Trumot or Masrot taken off of them. Wait a minute. Most Amearets are taken off their Trumot Masrot. Ela Shemei Hei Ragilets Lo. So the reason that you would get together with this individual is because you're both Tmeim right now. So since you're both Tmeim right now, you would think, okay, let's eat together because there's no difference between us. What about Shumot Masrot? The Gemara cites the statement that Rova Mearetz in general took off Shumot Masrot. So we're not going to worry about that. So what is there to worry about? What's to worry about is after the fact. After you become Tahor, and then you're going to get back together with this Amaretz, you became good friends while you were Tmeim, while you were Zavin, and now you're going to eat with them, he's going to provide you items that are Tmeim. In order to protect against that, they said don't eat when you're Tamei, so that you don't end up eating when you are Tahor. Now this position of Rov Amayaretz Masri name is very interesting, because Yochanan going to Dol, we know from the Gemara and Sota, sent out messengers and found out that everybody was taking off but by the Masrot, it wasn't so clear that everybody was taking them off. Mostly the problem being Trumat Maser, which involves a Mita with it. From the Maserisha, you have to separate Trumat Maser, which has the same status as Truma. And over there, the Gemara says that he was Gozer al Ademai. He was Gozer that any Tua that came from Amaretz is Besafek, whether they took off the Trumat Masrot. So the answer is that, truthfully, there was a rove. The rove did take off Masrot. But there was what Tosvan calls 
was a miut that was shriach, a miut that was very common that didn't. So we know this from Gemara and other places. Robe shows up in different places. You can have a robe that's fifty-one percent. You can have a robe that's eighty-five, ninety percent. So when the Gemara says robe ame aretz masrini, and Tosfos points out that that probably is lower on the fifty-sixty percent, not up at the eighty-ninety percent range. And because then it's a miut a shriach or miut a matsui, which is that you have forty-forty-five percent of the people not taking up miut matsui. Therefore, they were both there that any demai you have to separate off misafek in order to protect against any violation of eating trumat maser that would involve a chiyu bidei shemayim or tevel but over here in terms of hergel of eira to get together with them here the Gemara is going to say that that's not a reason to make a gzeira if they're ready we're not going to make a gzeira about that to not allow you to eat with them during their periods of tumah but the reason is because when you get back to being tahor there will be a problem now ibayiluhu nida mahu shitishan imbala hibibigda Question is, with regards to a woman who is in Nida, may she sleep with her husband? He's in his clothing, she's in her clothing. Is that okay? Now, the question here revolves around what our Mishnah started with, which is Lo Yechol Zav and Mezava. The Zav and Mezava should not eat together because they might end up if they normally eat together, that might lead to them sleeping together which is problematic. You have the same problem with regards to a Nida. A Nida is unusual in terms of all the Arayot. Nida is listed in the Parshat Arayot. Nevertheless, it does not have the restriction of Yichud. Other Arayot, other problematic relationships, the person is not allowed to be alone with that individual. For instance, and the Gemara is going to discuss this in a little bit, that one may not be be Yehud with a married woman. The Gemara will go, because they wrote, even with a Pnuya, he may not be alone with a woman because what might happen. So, the same should have been true with regards to a husband and wife when his wife is a Nida. The Gemara Darshins that Kosher Shani Besuga Darshins a Pasuk that tells us that despite the fact that she is a Nida, the husband is allowed to be miyached with her. That has to do with pat b'salo, the idea that at one point she will be muteret, and therefore we don't worry about it at that time. But it's unusual, or an exception to the rule, that even though it's a sewer for them to be together, nevertheless they're allowed to be b'yichud. Gemara's question extends now and says, okay, now that they're allowed to be b'yichud together, how far does that go? What is the extent that we force the separation between a husband and a wife when she's a nida? So the question here is, what about if they sleep together, but they are both clothed. Some Rav Yosef Tashma. We bring a sugya from Chulin, which is a oof. You can have poultry on the table with cheese. Can eat them together, but they can be on the same table together. You can't put it on the table, and it's not eating. Now Rashi says over here that Bechamai holds that Basar of Bechalab is Labdo Raito. It's not Mina Torah. Since it's not Mina Torah, so if it's on the same table, at worst, you might eat it. That's only an Isu Durabanan. On the other hand, implied from Rashi's statement is that Beitilel thinks that it is Deoraita, that it is Minatora. And therefore, if it's on the table and then you make a mistake and eat it, then you're in violation of an Isu Deoraita. But what you see here is that something that is problematic, bird, poultry, and Gvina and cheese, you may not put them together on the table. So when it says, shiny hot, like a Deot. Over there, you only have one individual involved. A person comes to the table, 
and there is poultry and cheese on the table, there's nobody there to remind them not to do the wrong thing. So just absentmindedly, you might take from the cheese, from the poultry together, and we don't want that. But here, when we're talking about a nidah with her husband, there are two people involved. Each one can remind the other. So, that makes sense. Makes sense, that distinction that you made, that when there are multiple people, it's different. In Chulin, over there, it mentions, Two guests at the bed and breakfast can eat together on a single table. One of them is eating meat, one of them is eating milk. Over here, we're talking about basar and vina, mido, right? And they're allowed to eat on the same table. And we don't worry about the fact that one might eat the cheese, one might eat the meat. The Gemara goes, wait a minute, that's not so clear. But then we have a qualification of that. It's only if they don't know each other. If they are friends or they know each other, then it's a sur. That distinction has to do with the probability that you might actually eat from the other person's food. If you don't know each other and you just happen to be landed at the same bed and breakfast, the same motel. So the fact that you're eating on the same table is only because you are sleeping in the same location, but has no bearing on your friendship, your closeness to each other. And therefore, when you're eating at the table, there's no way you're going to stick your hand out and take some of his food, and he's not going to take any of your foods. So there's no question. But that's not true if you're actually friends. If you actually know each other, you're traveling together, and then one of you is eating milk and the other one's eating cheese, then you would end up sharing your food. And that would be problematic. And our Gemara says, that's our case over here. Rachanami makirim zedzeninu. Our case by the Nida is that they know each other. They're not just showing up strangers to each other. These are husband and wife, and they know each other as well. So if they know each other, then there should be a necessity for a separation. So the Gemara now laid out two different situations. There's a situation where we have multiple people. We have multiple people, we assume that they're going to remind each other. But it's only true if they aren't so regular or comfortable with each other. But if they're comfortable with each other, we're back to stage one, which is now there's no designation that tells us or sign that there should be some sort of separation. So the Gemara says is that there has to be some sort of apparent separation over here. You can create that by not knowing each other. That's a separation because it's a natural separation. People who don't know each other don't interact with each other. Now, if you don't have that, then you need something else to create the separation. And that's what the Gemara says over here. By the milk and meat, if you know each other, we're not going to let you eat on the same table. Well, if it's a husband and wife, how can we allow them to be in the same bed together. It says, Achiyashi, you can't compare the cases. So as I explained now, that over there, by the milk and meat, you have different people, but you have no indication or separation between them. They're comfortable with each other. They would eat from each other's food. That means there is no unique sign here that there should be separation. But the case of Nida, you have both. You have multiple people and you have a Shinoi over here. Uh, what's the Shinoi in this case? As Rashi points out, that they're big, big do and big da. That they're sleeping in their clothing. Normally they sleep in Kirub Basar. In their day, it seems that they were not clothed in their bed. That's not whether they were with their wives or not with their wives. We see that from the brachot that we say in the morning, that they got dressed as they got out of bed. So if in a normal circumstance the husband and wife are together without any clothing, so now our circumstance we're dealing with multiple people, plus we have something now that gives an indication of not being normal. And that is that they are clothed in bed instead of being there being naked in bed. And that should be sufficient to indicate that this is different than normal. Ikadamre, 
some have this formulated this way. The two guests can eat on the same table one meat, one milk. We have a qualification of that. That's only if they don't know each other and not come to each other. If they know each other, that's sore. In our case, is a case where the husband and wife know each other. It says, Over there, you have multiple people without any distinguishing feature. In our case, by the Nida, the husband and wife have both factors. They have two people, plus they have some sort of sign or indication of it being unusual, and that is that they're clothed in bed. So, so far from the Gemara's assumption until this point, it would be permitted for a husband and wife to be together in bed when she's in Nida, as long as they're clothed. Because then you have Deot, and you have clothing. Tashma. So obviously this sugi is here because of the end of our mission, which is, Lo yuchal zabim azavamishum over there, you're back to the same case as the milk and meat, which is, over there you have multiple people, but you lack any sign or indication that there's something unusual here, that there's something different from normal. So, you can't compare that to our case. So, Tashma. So, then we have the puzzle, Gini Cheskel, El Arim Lo Achal, Beinav Lo Nasal, Gilulei Beit Yisrael, Bet Eshed Reyo Lo Timei, Velet Ishan Nida Lo Yikrav. So, here, Yicheskel is praising this individual for all these wonderful characters that he has. And over here, it's not even so clear what the praise is. Here's this individual. He didn't sleep with his friend's wife. I mean, what type of praise this is this? So the Pasuk, or the way Chazal, Darshan, the Pasuk, Rashi points out, we have in Sanhedrin, it says that he doesn't require harim. The Gemara Darshan says refers to the avot. And therefore, he, he did not require the schut avot in order to get his parnasa because he had enough righteousness tzidkut on his own. That's a he didn't look towards those things that were inappropriate. But then now, that doesn't seem to be the type of accolade that you give to a tzaddik. That's something that you expect from everybody. So the Gemara wants to know, why is that in the Pasuk? So the Gemara says, The reason that's found there is because there is a parallel or juxtaposition drawn here between his wife who's a nida and his friend's wife. Just like with your friend's wife, if you're clothed and she's clothed, it's still a sore to be together. So therefore, from there we can conclude that based on the drush from the Pasuk, that there is a necessity for separation beyond just having and beyond just having a shinoi, you need a complete separation when his ishto is nida, just like that is the case by his friend's wife. His friend's wife would never consider to have the big dog, big da, and so too over here. Rashi explains the methodology of the thinking over here. How do you know by Yeshit Rehu? How do you know that by your friend's wife, that Behuba big dog, Behuba big da, that that is considered to be a sore? Why is that given? So that Rashi explains, Asurlan Yichud Torah. Yichud is Asur Torah. So to be alone with one's friend's wife, that's a sore because of Yichud. The toast vote doesn't necessarily like the answer. He says, the Tosa says, what do you need this Yichud Midoraita to tell you that you can't be alone with your friend's wife? It says it's logical. It's just common sense. Common sense is that if one is 
together with his friend's wife in bed, even though what, what type of preventative measure is that? What type of good judgment is that? He says that's just poor judgment. It doesn't make any sense that that should be mutar. So he says it's a tzur because it's just common sense that it's a tzur. He says, that it's a that even being together alone is a doraita. So certainly laying in bed with their clothes on is a tzur mi doraita. It says, because based on what I, and I express it that way, the way Rashi is explaining, he's saying, well, Yichud is Asur by your friend's wife. Also, to lay in bed with her with your clothing on is Asur because that's just an extension of Yichud. Well, then by Nida, you have the same din now. What's the same din? That you can't be in bed together with your clothes on. But if Rashi's right, then the extension of the din should be, you also can't have Yichud with the Nida because you're learning from the friend's wife to one's own wife. If that's the case, then Yichud should also be Asur. And Tosa says that's just not the case. We know that a husband's allowed to be with his wife who is a nida. And therefore, Tosfut says that he doesn't think Rashi is right. And he says, Beyond that, Tema, the Yichud Yisur Minat Torah, Lo Yafinim Meishadish, Bishari Benida. We don't learn out Meishadish. And it's Mutar Benida. Number one, we don't learn out that Yichud is also Minat Torah from Meishadish. If you wanted to bring the example of Yichud Minat Torah, then you wouldn't have brought the case of Meishadish, because that's not the paradigm for Yichud Minat Torah. So that's the wrong example to bring down. And number two is, why Yichud by Nida is not a Surah. Allah Tosfut says, So it says, it's just the Hekesh between Nida to Eshadish. And yes, it would have made more sense to have Yuchud Mena Hekesh. And to say that he's allowed to be together with his wife when they're clothed, because that's the lesser of the two, that it would have been made more sense by Nida to say that it's Isr Yichud, and to leave this big do big da alone. Uh, but, but by definition, if it's hu big do he be big da, you're in be Yichud, and you're in violation of Yichud. Tosfut says, no, we'll be a petach batuach the Rishut Rabin. In a case where there's free access, a place where there's no Yichud, then he can sleep together with his wife, be big do big da. Why don't we do that? That's the drush of Chazal, that there's no Yichud by Nida. So even though the more obvious thing to Abi Oser here is Yichud with the Nida, nevertheless, because of the limud from the Pasuk that's Matir, Nida, the Yichud, Rir Chazal created the Hekesh between Eshadish and Nida with regards to Bibigdo and Bigda. Even though it's not necessarily the most obvious thing that you would have learned out, but that is the case because Yichud we can't learn out. Suppose to Rashi, who thinks that there's an Isra Yichud min Doraita of Eshadish, and now Chazal are taking that and this is an extension of Yichud and they're bringing that over to Nida. Tosafot's objections again are that Yichud mi Doraita has no application by Nida. Number two is Yichud mi Doraita does not learn out of Eshadish. That's not where we get it from. Right now the Gemara continues and says, de Rabbi Pidat. This argues on the position of Rabbi that Rabbi Bidat says it's only Asur when Tashmisha Mita is involved. Without Tashmisha Mishda, there's no other restriction. And that's it. The only problem is Tashmisha Mita. Any other Kurva, any other closeness, Afilu Kiru Basar is only Midrabanan. So therefore, Hibibigda, Bibigdo, Afilu Midrabanan, you're not going to be Gozer over here because that is going to come out, at least according to Rashi, we're going to end up with a double Dirabanan. Because the only thing that is a sore Midoraita is Tashmisha Mita. So now you have the Oser Kiruv Basar, which is only Midrabanan. And then on top 
top of that, you want to be oser, hu that's a rabbanan, de rabbanan, that's a double de rabbanan, and that we're not going to restrict. So since that's a double de rabbanan, we're not going to make that asur, and therefore, according to Rabbi Badat, it would seem that it is permissible to be together, bibigdo, bibigda, and that's what the Gemara is pointing out, that this argues on the position of Rabbi Badat. Tosfut again doesn't like this because that means Rabbi Badat arguing on our Mishnah of Lo Yechol Zabin Zabah. Lo Yechol Zabin Zabah says that even when it's not involved with Tashmisha Mitah, we still make our Achok over there. They're not eating together. They don't eat together, so they don't have Kira Basar, so they don't sleep together. That's already very far fetched, and we still have a Dindar Abanan. Who's going to say Rabbi Badat argues on our Mishnah? So that can't be the explanation of Rabbi Badat. When Fraser Rabbi Nutam, Rabbi Nutam explains Rabbi Badat. He pleaded to Rabbi Badat to came into Asra Torah Le Krivashel Gilur Ariel Bilvad. We should, when we have a dindra banan, this is a general principle that is very important. That the rabbanan, in many cases, do kein right When they create isurim, they try not to invent new isurim. They isurim take a paradigm doraita and extend that paradigm doraita. The paradigm doraita of separation here is it's only in cases where there is deot below shinoi. When there are multiple people without any shinoi. As long as you have a shinoi now, that's not like what the Torah restricted. Since that's not what the, the Torah is restricted, therefore we don't worry about it. And that's what Rabbi Padat suggests over here. Rabbi Padat suggests that we only put into position or place dine de Rabbanan that mimic what the Torah is worried about. The Torah is worried about when you have multiple people no shinoi. If I have multiple people with Shinoi, Torah doesn't worry about that. But that's exactly what we're worrying about here. We're saying that they can't sleep together big do big da. So therefore, even in a case of Deot and Shinoi, we're still saying you have to separate. And that's what argues on Rabbi Padat. Alright, next Gemara says, Ula, Kaviatimi Beiraf. Ula, when he used to return from the Beit Midrash, he used to kiss his sisters, on their chest, and some say on their arms or their hands. And that is a contradiction to his own statement. Even to get close to an Arayot is a sur. We say to Nazira, Go around far away from the vineyard. We don't want the Nazir to eat grapes, which are sur for him. So we say, distance yourself. Don't walk to a vineyard. That's just too much temptation. Walk around. Make yourself a distance. So same thing over here. When it comes to Arayot or anything that's Kurva, he also says you have to put a distance between you, meaning that there are Zerot. So the Gemara is saying, wait a minute, what's going on over here? He's saying that you have to separate, and yet he was kissing his sisters, either on their hands or on their chest. How is that possible? So now the Gemara doesn't answer the question. The Gemara just leaves it. The truth is, right, Tosafot brings that the Gemara in other places, the Gemara in Ketubot, and also I think in the end of Kedushin, asks this type of question and answers over there, one was his own practice, and the other one was what he was telling for regular people. Regular people shouldn't act this way because they're not going to be able to control their desires. For him, it was a tzaddik gemur, it didn't affect him at all. Tosfa brings the examples from the Gemara in Ketubot that Rabbi Acha used to be Marki Vela he used to take the kala on his shoulders and dance around with her. 
And the Rabbanan said, what, can we do this also? Can we carry the kal around? And he said, no. In my eyes, they're like just picking up a board of wood. In your eyes, they're like, okay, picking up the kala, and that's the problem. There's a big difference between us. Gemara didn't have time here to deal with it. Just mentioning it as a sidebar, but I didn't have time to deal with it right now, but here's your answer. It's still, the, the whole practice is interesting. I understand why Ulu maybe kissed his sisters on their hand, and why he had to specifically kiss his sisters on their chest. I'm not sure why it was that a common practice, or was that a way of indicating closeness, but it's interesting that that was his practice, I mean that he could have just kissed him on the cheek, kissed him on the hand. I'm not sure what the exact reason that he did this. All right now, move on to a story. It's an important story in Yochot Nida, which is Tana de Be'elio. He learned a tremendous amount. He was Baki Tanach. So Shana is Mishnah, Kara is Tanach, and Shemesh Talmud Chachamim is Gemara. So you can see here that the likelihood is that you should change the order, which is Kara, Harbe, which is he first learned a lot of Tanach, then Shana Harbe, which was that he learned a lot of Mishnayot, then Shemesh Talmud Chachamim, he learned a lot of Talmud. Umeit v'chetzi yamav, and he died at a young age. Ba'ita yishton nutelet filav, umaksadam v'bate kesayot v'bate midrashot. His wife used to carry his tefillin around and go to the shuls and to the bate midrashot v'amra lahem. That the Torah is your life and it brings a long life. That he learned lots of Torah, lots of Mishnah. He learned lots of Talmud. Why did he die at half of his life? Meaning that he died young. Nobody responded to her. One time I was a guest with her. And again, she told over this agonizing story about her husband. What's interesting here is that this is a Tana Debei Eliyahu. So, I don't know if that is Eliyahu. If it's a Tana Debei Eliyahu, I'm not sure who the Tana is here that says that that I was a guest there. So, I don't know if that's Eliyahu Navi or someone else who authored this story. When you were in Ida, what was his position with regard to you. So, Amrali, Shalom. She says, No way. I feel the etzvak tanat lo nagapi. He didn't even touch my pinky. No contact with me whatsoever. Binei libunei mawitzlich. When you were during your white days, which is during her shiva nikiim, and the time that she's waiting to become tor, what was his position with regards to you? Achalimi bishataimi. He ate with me. He drank with me. Biyashanimi bikiru basar. And he slept with me. Bikiru basar without clothing on but he never had Bia with me Hashem did the right thing by killing him because he didn't follow the Torah that a person may not get close to a Isha that they were together in a single bed put some sort of clothing or cloth or sheath between them and that was it. 
And that was not sufficient because of this requirement of which says that until she goes to the mikveh, she's a nida. Even though she ceased to see any flow, she's still a nida until she either has shiva nikim or until she goes to the mikveh. Until that happens, she is not tehorah. She's not tehorah. She still has a classification of nida. And just like he acted with her with regards to her binei nidoteich, he should have acted with her in the time of her libonech. There should be no distinction between when she's a nida and when she is waiting for her svirah, when she's doing her shiva nikim. Because she's a nida until she goes to the mikveh. If that's the case, there shouldn't be a differentiation. The fact that he changed how he acted with her was wrong. And that was the problem over here. Now, two interesting tosfos here. I'll do the second one first, which is, over here it says you're not allowed to be together in a single bed with the woman. We have the story in Shmuel Aleph with regards to David and Michal. That David was married to Michal, technically Kishol gave her, and then he took it away and gave hair to Palti ben Laish. The Gemara says in Sanhedrin that Palti ben Laish, even though he was given to Michal as a wife by Shaul, he didn't want to violate the Eastern Minat Torah she was possibly married to David, and therefore he slept in a bed together with her, but Na'at's Cherev put a sword between them so that they should not cross over. But what do you see? They were in a bed together. How could it be that they were in a bed together? Here the Gemara says, being in a bed together, that's not allowed. So Tosfot gives two interesting answers. One is that number one, Petach Patuach Lushut Abim was a Petach Patuach Lushut Abim, and therefore there was no Yichud problem, and he put the Cherev there, and that was okay. The other answer is that Shemus of work is Shaul. Maybe he held like Shaul. Makloka the Gemara says in Sanhedrin as to whether they were married or not, because Makadish ben Milveh would whether it works or not. So he held like Shaul that she wasn't married to David, and he could have married her. But to be extra careful, he never slept with her, so that's why he put the cherub there. So he held like Shaul, and that's why he was allowed to be together with her, but he put the cherub there to prevent anything from happening. The more important one is the upper Tosfot, which is two things that he says. First of all, Rabbeinu Tam says, Perish, Shayuri Gilim, the women in their daily bullshit. They used to go to the mikvah twice. Achat l'sof shiv'a l'riyata shi'tol rami d'oraita. They used to go after the seven days of nida, which is when they become tol rami d'oraita, because bina Torah, you only have to wait seven days in nida, and it's over. But then we have the chumrah that we spoke about in nida, we're getting the gemara brachot as well. But notice shol yichmira atzman, that they made themselves into a zavag dolan, they wait shiv'a nekim. That's only mid rabbanan. So they go, used to go once in the mikvah after seven days, and then they used to go to the mikvah again at the end of their shiv'a nekim. So that what caused the confusion over here, that he was makil after she went to the mikvah the first time, didn't wait for her to go to the mikvah the second time. Whereas in our time, the women don't go to the mikvah in the first time, therefore they are full-fledged nidot until they complete their shivnikim, because until they go to the mikvah, you can't remove the dinah of nidah. So Rabbeinu Tam claims in their day, the difference was that it dropped from being a dindorite to a dindinurabana, because she went to the mikvah after seven days. Today we don't have that. Ours remains at a level dorite of nidah, because she never goes to the mikvah. But that's why he was makil over there. That's number one. Number two is he tells story. Rashi, Rashi was like not to pass a key from himself to his wife when she was a nida. And then the Tosu tries to bring proofs from different places in Shas. And he says that he doesn't think that any of those are proofs. So he says, I don't have any raya to what Rashi did in a Gemara or from the Midrashi Al-Acha that one is not allowed to pass a key from husband 
husband to wife. He doesn't reject the practice, but he says, I don't have any proof to that. Which brings us to the actual dinim with regards to nida. There are chokot that come with nida really fall into three categories. And we bumped into some of them here, and some of them are now mentioned in this Tosafot. There are three categories of har chokot. There are certain har chokot which are preventative measures because they are too close for comfort. That is, for instance, our case here. If they're clothed in bed together, there's too much risk that they're going to end up sleeping together. That's just too big a chance, too big a risk. And therefore, anything that's anything that is done, which is involves physical contact or that is restricted during duta. That would be, again, sleeping in bed together, hugging, kissing, anything that involves physical contact that could lead to more than that, that is restricted. And now we saw here in our that is restricted. There's another set of restrictions that have to do with things that a woman does only for her husband. Certain things that a wife would only do or take care of her husband. In their day, there were certain things like servicing or bringing, uh, whether it was bringing water, bringing wine, bringing shoes. Certain things that are only done by a wife or a husband, making the bed, setting up the pillows. Certain things that are unique between a husband and wife. There, even though there's not the physical contact, but because they engender a certain amount of closeness and love, those are restricted because of their unique standing as being something that is particular to a husband and wife. There's a third category of harchakot, which are simply to remind oneself that she's bimeni duta. That's what's described here in the Rashi, in the Tosafot, which is that he didn't pass a key to his wife. Passing to a key to his wife, we're not talking about a case here where we're talking about physical contact, where they're touching hands together, because that could be a problem, and that we mentioned over here, that it says here, by the Tanit Be'elio, that he didn't even touch her pinky when she was in Nida. Alright, that's physical contact. Over here, we're talking about passing a key when there is no physical contact. But the problem there is that we need a significant sign or an indication that this is different than normal. And the different than normal is to have these shinuim that we don't pass directly. So those are the three, category, three categories of Harchakot that we practice today. Harchakot that deal with anything that is too close for comfort, which is anything that might lead to biyah, that's hubibigdo, anything like hugging, kissing, anything like that. Second category of Harchakot, which is anything that's unique to a wife, to a husband. So therefore, she shouldn't perform those activities for the because it engenders a love, a closeness that shouldn't be done during their main nidah. When her husband's not present, she can't do those things. For instance, if a woman makes the beds for her husband when he's not there, that's not a problem. It's only when she does it in front of him that those become a problem. And the last category is a shinoi, to make it different, that you're not in your normal course of activity, so you remember that there's something different here, which is what we saw before with the basar b'chalab. They have to do something that's unique. Same thing, if you eat on a table together with a member of your family, milk and meat, you have to make a hekir. You have to do something that indicates that you're different, because it can easily exchange. You have to put up something between you. You have to change, put something unusual on the table, put a flower on the table, put the napkin holder between you, whatever it is that's different than normal to indicate that there's a separation. That which applies with Basar Bechalab also applies to Nida, but for a different reason. Like we say in our Mishnah, because we want to take you out of your normal course of behavior. And so we do things that are unusual. They don't necessarily engender love. They don't necessarily lead to sleeping together. But we want to change your normal Normal 
activities and your daily routine in order to indicate that this is different than we have a nida here. So those are the three categories of harchakot, and any harchakot that is halacha you can place into those uh, categories. And now the next mishnah. These are amongst the halachot that were set over in the aliyah of this individual, Hanani ben Chizkiah ben Goron, who we'll meet in a minute. Shalul Bakro, they came to visit him. Nimnu, Virabu, Beit Shemai, Beit they came to a count over there. And the Beit Shemai seated Beit on that day. Yurchet Tavarim, Gazrubo, Bayom. And on that day, they were Gozer 18 items. Right. So they're very productive on that day. But the question in the Mishnah is, what's the connection between all three of these three issues? So most of them in Farshim, and we're going to see this in the Gemara in a second, connect all the issues together. And we're going to read that now in the Gemara, and then I'll come back and explain that. Is the Mishnah start out with a Vav, or does it start out with the out of Vav? So he says, Does it have a Vav, the Hani Damran, that we already mentioned? Things we've already mentioned in the Mishnah, those are amongst these items. Which is that we're making a clean break from what's before, and those that are coming up, the Mean and the Meimar the Kaman, those are included in the 18 items. Tashma, ain't polim nor an air, ain't korin nor an air, the elumina lachochemu beliat, chania ben chizgab ben ron, shmaina, the elutnan. So we have a bright that suggests that one may not pick off lice, or an air, or read the or an air, and then it continues straight into the elumina lachot. So there you see there is a vav, and here the vav is functioning as a vav a chibor. Vav a chibor says that it's a continuation of the previous Mishnah, and the two items in the previous Mishnah are amongst the items that they brought together Alachot in the Aliyah of Hananiah ben Chizkiah ben Garon. So that will be amongst those items. Elut Snan without the Baba Chibur would be a separation but a clean break. Tosfot asks right away the Torah is replete with a Vav and it's a Vav Achiluk. The Torah always starts out Vav and so the Torah uses Vav as a Chiluk not as Vav as a Chibur. So over here how could you suggest that Vav is a Chibur? And they've had a different Girsa in the Gemara and their Girsa flipped it. Because of this there is some controversy as to what's happening in our Mishnah. You could say that our Mishnah is all one item. It says, these are the Lachot that happened in Aliyat Hanayim Bin Chizkiah. That's the same location where Beit Shemai exceeded Beit Yilal. And that's the 18 Gezerot. They're all one thing. So that means you have to come up now with 18 items that were done in the Aliyat Hanayim Bin Garon, which was a case where Beit Shemai exceeded Beit Yilal in that case. So that's the way that the Bartanura explains this Mishnah. He counts 18 items, starting with the two from the previous Mishnah. And then we'll have an additional 16 that lay out in the Gemara. We're going to come to about nine of them today, and then through the Gemara we'll follow out the rest. The Rambam, on the other hand, has an unbelievable shita. The Rambam says there are actually three sets of 18 over here. Three sets of 18. There's 18 that are all the Mishnayot till this Mishnah. All the Mishnayot that we've seen in Shabbat until this point in time have 18 halachot. And those are 18 halachot that Beit Shemai and Beit Yilal agreed about. Then we have another 18 items that are a case where Nimnu and they found that Beit Shemai exceeded Beit Yilal and they would go there the 18. Those 18 have nothing to do with our Mishnah. Those 18 are the ones listed in the Gemara. We're going to get them in the Gemara. Then, subsequent to this Mishnah, there are another 18 items in the Mishnayot where Beit Yilal and Beit Shemai argued in the Mishnayot. And so the Rambam has three sets of... 18. Yes, the Elumin Alachot, that there are Alachot that were said, the Zerot, which are all in our Gemara, but they have 18 in the Mishnayot before, 18 in the Mishnayot afterwards, and they have nothing to do with these Zerot. The Me'iri has fourth set of 18, which are throughout Shas, 
there are 18 places where the Mishnah says, that they both agree, and it's stated specifically in the Mishnah. The Tferi Tisel also has a Yeshomina, brings another set or count of 18, which he rejects, but it's interesting to see the different lists of 18 that the Rishonim and Achronim come up with. Again, I'll send out the chart. You can see the different numbers of the 18 or how they come up with the 18 here. But it's important to note that there was another Gersh in our Mishnah which also has impact because whether it's Be'elu or Elu, that would make a difference as to whether the first two that are in the previous Mishnah count towards the 18 or don't count towards the 18 depending on what you think the Gersh is in our Mishnah. Alright, Tanur Banan. Mikatav Megillat Tanit. Who was the author of Megillat Tanit? Now, Megillat Tanit is one of the Masechtot of the Gemara, but it was called a Megillah because it was kept, it was rolled up as a Megillah, and it was also written down. Which, with the other parts of Torah Shabbat, they were not written down. Megillat Tanit was written down in order to remember everything that happened. Amru Hananiah ben Chizkiah v'siyato. Hananiah ben Chizkiah was mentioned in our Mishnah. Him and his compatriots, they wrote it. Sheyum echavivim etatzarot. They used to love difficulties. Now, that's... Not literally they love difficulties, but they loved when Hashem saved them from difficulties. We also love to be saved from difficulties. If we write down all the things that Hashem saves us from, we wouldn't have enough space. In their day, you know, it was here and there, they had these things where Hashem intervened and saved them from some difficult situation, and then they made those into Yomim Tovim. But if we were to do that, it would make every day into a and so Rashi says there'd be either because it's a rotor all the time, or we can't make every day into Yom Tov. We'll never be working anymore. We'll never have any day that's not a Yom Tov. The other way to look at it is that we don't even recognize. We don't see what Hashem is doing for us because we are, in a sense, fools, and we don't even see that there's something wrong that Hashem is rectifying. And the same thing, that the dead skin doesn't feel the knife. Is that true? that the decomposition of the body is difficult to someone who's died like a needle going through a person's skin who's alive the way I translated it before which is that dead skin on a live person does not feel the knife but both of those indicate that we don't necessarily recognize all the goodness Hashem does from, uh, does for us. And that I said over when we did this in the Gemara earlier, that Hashem saves us many times from Tzarot, and it says that we will recognize Hashem, and along with us the other Amim will be there. The Pasuk says in Tehilim, Hallelujah Hashem kol goyim, shabchuhu kol ha'omim, ki gavar leinu chasdo, v'yemet Hashem le'olam hallelujah. So, ki gavar leinu chasdo, that Hashem did chesed for us, what does that have to do with the first puzzle, which is Haluat Hashem Kogoim Shabkuhu Kolomim? What do the other nations have to do with the Chesed that was done to Klaisa? Why would they sing Shevach to a Kodesh Baruchu? Says, I heard this over in the shame, uh, Rabbi Willing, from my brother in law. That is, why do we need the other nations to recognize what Hashem did? It's because the other nations are the only ones who know what they planned to do that Hashem thwarted. We don't know what Hashem thwarted because we don't even know what was going to happen. But the other nations who know what they wanted to do and Hashem thwarted those plans, they are the ones who can really tell us and help us to praise Hashem for all that went well. The same thing over here. It's too much for us. We can't recognize all the things that have happened. So now, Amar Yehuda, Marav, Baram, Zachurot, Oishlut. This Hananiah ben Chizkiah, we have to give him a lot of credit because 
Without him, the Cheskel would have been put into Gnizah. The problem is that Sefer Yechezkel has within it things that seem to go against the Torah, and therefore they wanted to put in Gnizah because they didn't know what to do with it. Masa, what did he do? They took him out 300 barrels of oil, oil for eating and oil for light, and he sat there and he was Doreshtim. And that's what our Mishnah says that they went to visit him in the Aliyah. While he was fixing or trying to figure out what was going on with the Sefer Yechezkel, they came to visit him, and that's when all these halachot came together. Now, some of the examples over there are it says that a Kohen may not eat a trefan and a Vela. So what do you mean a Kohen may not eat a trefan and a Vela? Nobody can eat a trefan and a Vela. So, why does the Yechezkel only say a Kohen? The Gemara in Menachot answers because the Kohen does Malika on the bird, which outside of Kodesh is a problem in a Vela trefa. So, if the Malika is done improperly, or if he does Malika outside of the Mikdash, he is more likely to bump into problems in the Vela and trefa. So, that's how the Gemara answers it there. There are other stirot over there that have to be dealt with. There are carbonate that don't exist in the Torah. And the Gemara in some places speaks about it. Some of them trying to reconcile them with the Torah. A number of these prakim are haftarot in Sefer Vayikra because it deals with Parshat Kohanim. And so we actually do read these, even though they quote unquote soter the Torah. We read them because of Hananiah bin Chizkiah, who was able to explain these different stirot in Sefer Yechezkel. They were gozer 18 items. What are the 18 items? Titznan. Now we have a Mishnah. The Gemara is going to quote a Mishnah from Zavin, which contains within it nine items. So it's obviously not all of the 18. So that's what I said before. You have to come up with the count of the 18. Here's nine. If you count the two from the previous Mishnah, you're up to 11. And then we'll go through the Gemara. I'll point them out as we cross over them in the next couple of days. We'll bump into them the remainder of the 18 items. But here, at least here, are nine of the items, which is Elupuslimita Chuma. These items, these things, if someone does them, they make you pasul for chuma. Hochel, ochel rishon. Somebody eats a food that is a rishon, the tuma, then they may not then come into contact with chuma. Hochel, ochel sheni. Someone who eats a ochel that is a sheni, the tuma, also may not come into contact with chuma. For shotem, mashkim tmeim. Anybody who drinks liquids that are tamay, they may not come into contact with chuma. Again, the Gemara will go through each of these, explain them. Someone who takes a basically a bath is also problematic for chuma. The problem was in their day that the mikvaot were water that was captured from the rainy season, and the water that was captured from the rainy season over the summertime became putrid and disgusting. So how do you become Torah? You go to the mikveh. So they were going into the mikveh, but the mikveh was disgusting, and and afterwards they'd go take a bath they'd jump into some clean water so what were they saying? they were saying that what was making them to hoard the clean water not the mikveh so because of that the Chalamim made two zeros one is about Rosh Shuvim someone whose robe his body is Rosh goes into waters that were drawn waters not mikveh waters he made an Chuma but to four Rosh Shuvim or a person who's Tahor that has three of water poured over him that are Maim Shuvim that are drawn water both of those make him Pasul the Chuma Sefer says again later on that any Sefer Kodesh is Metameyate Yadayim makes it problematic for Chuma Veha Yadayim your Stam Yadayim are considered to be Tmeim Vatvoyom someone has a Tvoyom this doesn't count as one of them the Gemara is going to ask Tvoyom is a Dindaraita Tvoyom may not eat in Chuma Mina Torah Bochlim Vakilim Shnit Meube Mashkim foods or utensils that became Tmeim Mashkim which are also only Tumat Rabbanan over there you 
you may not have them come into contact with Truma. So there we just listed nine items that they were gozer on. Montana. See how the is going to go back and investigate each of these items. Montana, Ochal Ochal Rishon, Ochal Ochal Shini, Mitzab Sulei, Mitumu Elo, Mitamu. Who is the author of the position that if you eat a food that is a Rishon the Tumah, if you eat a food that is a Shini the Tumah, that then you may not eat Chuma, you make Chuma Pasul, but you don't make it Tamel. It's a terminology that we've seen before in Kodashim and in Tarot, that if you say Pasul, it means that's the end of the line. If you make something Tamel, but it cannot pass the Tumah further. On the other hand, if you say Tamel, it means that you make the next item Tamel, and it can pass Tumah on. So over here, when you say that it's Pusel to Tumah, it means that's the end of the line. Tumah goes down to a Shlishi, a third level of Tumah. So therefore, if you're going to make something into a third level of Tumah, that's the end of the line for Tumah. That means that anything in our mission that we just brought is a Shani the Tumah. It has the qualities of Shani the Tumah because it's only going to make Tumah Pasul. So who is the author that says if you eat a food that is a Rishon the Tumah and you eat a food that's a Shani the Tumah, you are only a Shani the Tumah. And therefore you'll only be Pusel Tumah and not make it Tameh. It's got to be Rabbi Shua. This is based on a mission that we saw in Chulin which is Tetzan. Rabbi Lezor Mer Ochel Ochel Rishon Rishon. Someone who eats a Rishon the Tumah Ochel, he himself is a Rishon the Tumah. Ochel Ochel Sheni. If you eat a Sheni the Tumah food, then you are a Sheni. Ochel Shlishi. Shlishi. If you eat a Shlishi the Tumah, then you are a Shlishi. It's very clear. Rabbi Lezor says whatever you eat, that's what you become. Rabbi Yeshua Mer Ochel Ochel Rishon Ve Ochel Sheni Sheni. If you eat a Rishon the Tumah Ochel or a Sheni the Tumah, something that's a first level or second level Tumah food, then you yourself become a Sheni the Tumah, which is exactly what we have in the Mishnah and Zavin, which is that whether it's a Rishon the Tumah or Sheni the Tumah, it only makes you into a Sheni the Tumah. Shlishi, if you eat a Shlishi the Tumah, Sheni the Kodesh. And if you eat a Shlishi the Tumah, it makes a second level of Tumah the Kodesh. They ain't Sheni the Tumah. But for Tumah, it makes no difference. And it has no impact in terms of Tumah. And number three is, Chulin ends at Sheni the Tumah. This is something we described before, which is that in terms of levels of Tumah, for Chulin, the last level is Sheni the Tumah. For Truma, the last level is Shlishi the Tumah. For Kodesh, the last level is Revi the Tumah, fourth level Tumah. And for Paradumah, it's even a fifth level of Tumah. So what the Mishnah is saying here in the position of Rabbi Yeshua is, if you eat a Rishon the Tumah or Sheni the Tumah, which is possible in Chulin, you become a Sheni the Tumah, the Rabbanan, and you'll be Posel the Tumah, which is you'll make it a Shlishi the Tumah by Tumah. If you eat a Shlishi the Tumah, wait, Shlishi the Tumah, you can't eat for Chulin. There is no Shlishi the Tumah. So it's Chulin, Shinasu, Atarata, Tumah. It was Chulin that they used to treat with the same deference as Tumah. It's also Chulin, Shinasu, Atarata, Kodesh. We saw that before in the Rashi, that you can do Chulin with deference to Kodesh, which means that you would even be Makbid on fourth level Tumah. So over here, he says in the mission, the only way you'll get to a third level of Tumah, if it's Chulin that was done with deference to Tumah. And doing that, you'll get to a third level of Tumah. That third level of Tumah has no impact in terms of Tumah, because it's already a third level of Tumah, but it has impact in terms of Kodesh. But not only has it an impact in terms of Kodesh, that it makes a for but it also goes back, it's a reset, and becomes a Rishon. And the reason it becomes a Rishon of Tumah is because, in other places we say, if you're Makbid on Tumah for Tumah, that's not a Kodesh for Kodesh. They are separate silos. If you're only Makbid on Tumah for Chulin, that's not good enough for Tumah, that's not good enough for Kodesh. If you're Makbid on Tumah for Tumah, that's not good enough for Kodesh. And therefore, if someone was Makbina on the Tumah, in terms of Tumah, by Kodesh, he still is, is the thing is completely Tameh. It's as if we have no information about it because he was only focused on Tumah. Kodesh is his own category, and you have to have in mind for Kodesh. So that's what happens over here. If he eats a third level of Tumah, which was Chulin, Janasilah, Tarata, Tumah, it has no impact in terms of Tumah.
Tumah, but has impact in terms of Kodesh. But impact in terms of Kodesh, it's reset to be a Rishon Tumah. It's reset to be a Rishon Tumah because Kodesh, what you did for Tumah, has no impact or no benefit to Kodesh. I will stop over here. The Gemara is going to explain the Zerah in a minute, and that goes further down the daf. so we'll get back to it tomorrow. Okay, we'll stop here.